0: Welcome to the Marketing Millennials, the No BS Marketing Podcast. I'm Daniel Murray, and join me for unfiltered conversations with the brains behind marketing's coolest companies. The one request I tell our guests, stories or it didn't happen. Get ready to turn the f*** up. Key to growing your page is not going to be
1: like well i posted every day for 365 days and i grew x followers the reason you might post every day is so you can figure out which content is more interesting uh, or which content seems to be a better fit like so of that stuff that you're posting every day are there things that you're learning i think it's not necessarily about posting every day but i think we give the advice to post often because when you post often you can learn more also it's only been 15 days so that's kind of the other part of this, like come back to us in six
0: months. Yeah, everybody. Thanks for joining today. I'm super excited. Today I'm going to chat with the man DG. He was the OG LinkedIn guy before LinkedIn was actually cool. So super excited. you shouldn't for
1: I actually take any of my advice because my engagement has just gone nowhere. So I have no LinkedIn advice to give anybody. I will just give you copywriting and thoughts, advice, but I can't tell you what's happening on, on LinkedIn. They, t- they turned me down or, or I don't know. And I've heard that from other people, but it's an interesting place to be right now.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm so excited to chat about that too. And what you're seeing in LinkedIn, just the, how the format's going to go the first 20 minutes, 30 minutes, we're just going to chat LinkedIn, chat, copywriting, chat, what to do. And then the next 20 minutes after that, I will bring a couple people up to audit their profile. So be ready at the end to raise your hand. Also, want to give a shout out to the, my my good friends at Chili Piper because they're awesome. They helped put on this event with us. So thank you, Chili Piper. You're always supporting me, the Marketing Millennials, ever since 2016. Love you guys. Go follow them. Go check out their website. They put out great content. And also want to shout out Exit Five. One of the best B2B actually the best B2B community out there. And it's not even one of the best. I've been in Exit Five for like two years. So go check it out. DG put on a great a great community there. It's live, it's popping off unlike other communities where you get one little chat a day. Um, so um Thank you. That's good be, I was I was trying to get this
1: teed up while you were saying that. Um, that's, that's better that we can really hear, but thank you. That's, that's kind of you, um, for the shout out. If you're not in there, sign up and, uh, send me a note and let me know that you heard about us here, which I'm sure we will, we'll get some folks. So, I'm I'm happy to
0: be here. First, I just want to start like DG, you're the OG of LinkedIn. Could you just give a little background who you are, when you started LinkedIn, when you started your journey on LinkedIn, what you saw on LinkedIn, when you started I mean, I'm probably not the
1: OG. I just see, probably see, I don't remember who it was specifically, but I've just, when it comes to marketing, just have always kind of been curious about what people are doing. And when I was at Drift in the early days, we kind of found this opportunity where we were posting. So we were posting on LinkedIn because we were selling to B2B companies and we figured that like, that's where they were. And when we started posting there, like the engagement was just was just insane, like compared to what we were posting on Twitter and other channels. And so I think it's not that I have some secrets about LinkedIn. I just was lucky to be there early, and I think it just speaks to the importance of like as a marketer, the more you can be testing channels and testing new ideas, the better. And we were on LinkedIn early, and that was we were able to create a huge advantage from that.
0: One thing I want to chat about is why founders and Leadership and the power of having personal brands at your company. I know you wrote a book, Founder Brand, that talks about this a little bit, but like why should a founder start telling this story on social like LinkedIn? So the reason the
1: reason we also got on LinkedIn was if you forget marketing for a minute, like you just think about you have a business, right? If you have a business, do you want more people to know about your business or less people to know about? Um most of us, we want more people to do that. Okay, great. Well, what makes you want to spend time with someone, a person, a business or whatever? You want to spend time with people who are interesting and have things to say or make you feel good or make you smarter or give you a way, a, a reason to laugh. And it's like that, that is, if you just simplify marketing in the simplest form, it's about attracting an audience of people who might be a good fit to buy from you one day. And so as a founder of a company you can be using social media to do those things. And I understand that there's lots of founders who don't want to do that. But I think that if I'm a founder and I'm looking for advantages and I want to compete and build a successful business, one of the most underrated, although obvious ways is to build a brand and build a following on, on social media. And a lot of people love to try to like shit on personal branding. This has nothing to do with personal branding. This has to me, it's like, it's actually thought leadership, but it's better than invest, the hiring an expensive PR agency to do it because if you're the founder of this company, you're living, breathing, sweating, thinking about this business every day. You're talking to partners and customers and investors and advisors, and you're recruiting and you're hiring and you're having to have a an idea of a, a point of view about well, what's happening in this market. All of that stuff is amazing content to attract your dream customers. And so if you're building a product to sell to people who work in HR and you're living in that world every day, talking about those things helps make you more relatable and attractive to HR people. And all of a sudden you can become a resource. And so I think I like to push founders. And it, oftentimes also the founder, it's not like the founder of a company, it's very rare that a founder of a company got into this business because they want to get rich <laughs> or they just, they, 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 you know, because it's fun very often the founder of a company she starts the company because she has an idea where some big thing happened in this person's life that was the catalyst of starting this company and i think that stuff can just is is inherently very interesting and that can make for some of the great con- <clears throat> some great content that you can use to attract people to your business but so often we just jump right into like marketing the product and features and benefits and that stuff is important but i think it's it's having this balance of both where you can create an advantage
0: I love that. I think also you did a great job with you came up with the name Exit 5, but you were going back and forth with Exit 5 and more marketing name. But I think it's a cool story for people to hear how you came up with the name Exit 5 because this is going into talking about like a founder story and connecting the story and the the background of like why the why behind of creating a brand. So I have been wanting to
1: rebrand my community. Because basically what happened was um, two years ago when I left Drift, I was really interested in talking about marketing, but I was going to a new company and I wasn't sure that I was going to have the same type of platform to do it because the company that I was going to is more in the B2C space. I didn't really have a lot of experience there. often talk about B2C stuff. And so I was like, well, I'm going to launch my own blog or podcast anyway, uh, where I can talk about this stuff. And I ended up launching it as a, a paid thing on Patreon, and it, it worked really well. We had three four thousand paying members in, in the Patreon thing, but it was called uh, DGMG, which is just a, a Dave Gerhard Marketing Group. I just made that name up in two seconds. Um, my my business is DGMG LLC, like that. That's what it is. I don't care to be like the superstar solo content creator. Like I I don't want to be uh Dave Gerhardt, the marketing guy for, forever, like personally. And so I think it was it was important to me to try to unbundle that a little bit. But also that came from this realization that like, oh shit, people are not just here to hear from me. This is becoming something bigger. And so we launched this Facebook group because what people wanted, I got so many messages of people who were like members on Patreon and they're like, look, we love your stuff, but uh, it's not just about you, buddy. We want to talk to the other people here. And I was like, oh, wow, that's a great idea. There should be some forum for this. And so the idea actually came from Henry Johnson. Uh, and he he was like a big fan of uh, My First Million. And he's like, they have an amazing Facebook group. He's like, you might want to launch this on Slack or something. But I'm telling you, Facebook is going to be the move. And I was like, OK, fine, let's do it. Launch a Facebook group. The engagement in the Facebook group from day one has been incredible and I think that was like the big learning was people are not just here for me. They're here to talk to each other about this thing that they're doing, B2B marketing. And so I wanted to try to like unbundle myself from that. And so I wanted to come up with a name that was separate from from me so it could be its own media property. It maybe could one day live on with or without me. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to rebrand this. I started to mess, mess around with the names. I love marketing and I think of myself as a creative person, but I'm very bad at naming things. I always name them very literal. Uh, my first podcast was called Tech in Boston, where I interviewed startup founders in Boston. Like Glad that was my first name, Tech in Boston. My wife gives me a hard time because she's like, everything you name is so literal literal. Tech in Boston, DGMG, Dave Gerhardt Marketing Group. And so I was like starting to go literal for this. I was gonna call like, I don't know, bdbmarketing.org or whatever, looked at a million domains. Uh, but then I messaged uh friend of mine, Harry Dry, who is, uh, he runs marketingexamples.com, copywritingexamples.com, and he has a lot of good framework show stuff. So I'm like, how should I, re- how would you rethink, uh, how would you think about naming this? I-, I messaged with you a bunch to like bounce ideas off of you. I had a couple people that I knew that I I'd bounce ideas off of. Pep from Winter was another one. And Harry was like, well, there's two ways you can name something. You can do literal or you could do lateral. And he kind of explained like, here's what literal is and gave me a bunch of examples. And I'm like, yep, this is kind of what I always do, literal and so then i started messing around with lateral names And so lateral name was like can you come up with a story that can relate to this business and the story is when i was working in marketing we lived in boston and we'd always go up to vermont for weekends and uh, my my wife's parents house and it was all week i'm in work super busy doing stuff but then i go to the woods and don't do any work and it's amazing how when you completely unplug from work that's when you get your best ideas and so i'd always go to vermont and on the weekends I'd come back to work and I'd have like three new ideas and be unstuck on some problem and so we came up with the name um Exit 5 because the exit that I took to get to their parent to, to their parents house is Exit 5. looked it up, Exit 5 is available. There's a story that I can tell about like hey look, Exit 5 was my inspiration, my way to get unstuck on problems in marketing. Exit5.com, the community can be your place now to get to get unstuck and that's how we that's how we came up with the name.
0: It's funny cuz Marketing Millennials is pretty literal. And then yours is like a lateral thing. And I have the same story as not the background story, but when I wanted to create, I was afraid of creating by myself under my personal name. So I was just like, okay, let's create the Marketing Millennials, which is going to be like this behind the scenes and I can do whatever I want and be whoever I want. And also, I know it's hard when you're starting your personal brand and you can't really say everything you want to say because you're working for a company so there's a way for me to start saying some controversial not controversial but funny marketing things that i wouldn't want to say so i think there's a great great
1: approach i I like have gone at it the other way and like mainly built my like the audience that i have now has mainly been built through like through day like my name uh but i think that there's huge benefits to building something without your name also, and you're the person behind it, I think that what you've done with Marketing Millennials is, is a perfect example of that.
0: So companies come up to you a lot and ask, should I get on LinkedIn? Should I do social? Should I do brand? How do you tell them to start doing it when a lot of B2B companies are stuck in the mindset of, hey, how can I measure this? Or how can I how could I see real results from posting on social media? So how do you get them to even start to do this? I've changed my advice on this a bunch of times. So like, just as I've learned
1: and I, I definitely wouldn't encourage everyone to do it because I think it only works if you actually have something to say. And so the big, the biggest mistake is like, Hey, yeah, you, you, you can't just like listen to a podcast and we say like, uh, post some quote images Take a picture of a book you're reading, talk about something that you learned, and that's how you grow on LinkedIn. And I think that that, era, that was possible maybe two years ago, two, three years ago, or maybe into last year. But I think now it's become such a busy place, like every channel that, like the actual way to stand out and to build an audience. And by the way, how you measure this is like, I think it's kind of obvious because it's a, it's a social media Account. How, how would you measure how would you measure a TikTok account? You would measure it in how many followers that account now has. Because if you have the hypothesis that the more followers I have on this property, I will be able to drive more traffic, people, potential customers to my thing. Like that's at least how I think about it. And so the 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 goal is like you don't have ten thousand people on your email list, but you, is it reasonable to like build a a, a LinkedIn account with ten thousand followers in the next year, probably, and can you use that to then drive traffic to other things because remember the game game that you're playing is really like here linked linkedin is a social network which is like here's all these people that are in my that my market they're not all on my website but they all hang out in this place called linkedin you're trying to go over there to be like hey i also have interesting things to say come and follow me now i'm getting your updates every day i'm seeing your content Ultimately, the goal is is to transfer that audience from LinkedIn to your own channels, whether that's a website, an, an email list. So I think that's the goal. But I think you have to be a founder who has the strong point of view on your market, a strong point of view on uh, the status quo and what needs to change. You have to have interesting experiences and, and conversations and things to say. There's not just like, a, you can't just take like some cookie cutter like, content template and be like on monday post a quote on tuesday they post an image those things also help but that's like the just the dressing i think the meat it is having a strong point of view and so i'm actually working with one founder right now who i already know is going to be amazing on linkedin they they haven't done anything yet but they're going to be amazing on linkedin because they're pushing their industry forward and like i see what they're actually working on and what's actually happening inside of the company And the company is fundamentally has a strong point of view and they're going directly at two kind of competitors and and an industry trend and like trying to smash the status quo. That's the perfect type of person to work with to then like, then do those things and create good content. And so I think it's, it's gotta be rooted in, in that, that strong point of view. Uh, There's a question just as I see this now, is this advice only for founders? How can I apply to small brands, new startups? Yeah, I think, I think whether you're a small brand, a new startup, a founder, everything that I just said in the last five minutes can be applied to to you for anything. Even if it's a side project, you're trying to grow an account focused on golf, like it's it's the same type of logic. Those are all principles that can be applied where like if your goal is to build an audience around X topic, because it's valuable to your business to be known for that topic.
0: That's what I was about to add in is I think before you start posting on any social media, especially for a personal brand, you have to figure out what you're known for and what you want to be known for. And also as a brand too, as a company, when you start that profile, you want to be known for X in that industry, whether it's the best content marketing agency out there or the best thing. So what do you start doing to be known as the best content marketing agency start talking about content marketing Start talking about how to do content marketing give valuable advice to your audience we can use an
1: example that like we all have probably had in our in our personal lives and this is very relatable to, to any business so like i last year i wanted to get more into yoga like in addition to weightlifting i wanted to get more into yoga so i'm on instagram i'm on youtube you're watching all different types of stuff from all different types of people. Finally, I find this one channel, and they had a particular type. It was like it was like yoga for yoga for athletes and yoga for people who don't believe in yoga. Oh, that's a cool little niche. Like, okay, cool. That was attractive to me. That's kind of what I'm what I'm here to do. I'm not trying to become a, a lifetime yogi. I just want to get a little bit more flexibility. Okay, now I subscribe. Now now I'm following that person on Instagram. I see that they post these daily YouTube videos with like a, a, a 30 minute workout every single day. I start following them. I tell a bunch of friends about that. Then they have actually a paid channel where you can get hour long workouts plus like um, calendar printouts and a bunch of other things. And so I subscribe to that. That's like a real life example that we all go. We all have done that one, two, three, four times a month. We do that with, with consumer brands. I think it's no different for thinking about a business. You sell HR software, you sell finance software. My opinion is that the best marketing strategy you can have is to become an expert in that industry. And so like, who are you to sell finance software? You're just some random person off the street. Oh no, actually you and your co-founder just spent the last 15 years uh, running finance at X company and you found this big problem and you, you raised $20 million of venture capital money to go and build this company and do it. Okay, that's a huge ingredient to be trading with from a, from a marketing standpoint, right? And this is not just for like venture backed startups. I think that's that's true in en- in any example. Like if you look at uh, Amanda from like House of Wise, she does a good job of like they don't just talk about the product. She she like she talks about all of the things like how that company was was created and the problems that she experienced or the challenges she, she experienced personally, that becomes then content. And by the way, the solution is, oh, it happens to be this this company that that we're building, right?
0: I mean, you did a great job with a lot of founders. As, I think there's two strategies. is either you're showing expertise or you're building in public and showing them what you're doing behind the scenes and giving them the behind the scenes version of it. Yeah. Um, Wait, let's just pause on that for a second because I think like, I think
1: that building in public is, is one way you can do it. But I, I also think there is another way to be successful now, which is like, you know, building in public doesn't have to mean like, you know, selfie of me at work. Here, here, here's me doing this thing. Like that, that doesn't work for everybody and a lot of people that either is not comfortable for them to do or like I think the negative side of that is you're opening, you open yourself up to a lot of like just people can be jerks online and like you, you open yourself up to that. But I think what does work is like you—you don't have to be the face, but your company has to be like the source of expertise. And I think like the greatest example is, we did this at Drift. Like we became resources for conversational marketing. Hey, we created this new way of doing marketing. It's called conversational marketing. Here's our way of doing it. You're gonna listen to our podcast and learn about it. Help your job. You're gonna read our blog. You're gonna get our emails. HubSpot is like the OG, like this is the greatest example of this. They they built a whole movement around inbound marketing. And they said, We make inbound marketing software, but the reason that you're listening to our podcast, watching our videos, subscribing to our blog is because we're teaching you about a way to get better at your job and do do and like and and get promoted and get more love from your team at work and help your company grow faster. And so we're gonna teach you inbound marketing. I think that one example is like still today can be applied to to any business. Do you have to do it? No. Is it my opinion? I know you feel the same way. That's why we're doing this. It's like, it's my opinion that that is one, that's the the marketing strategy that I like the most. There's definitely other ways to do it. That's the like survivor bias that I have of the companies that I've worked at. But that's how we've, we've treated it. It's like, let's use the company to become the number one resource for our dream customer. And if they do that and we have the right product to match, we can build an audience and then we'll have a product to sell to them. I
0: also want to go back to even like the simplest form of like creating an audience which is a lot of people give up after like the first month or two or don't stay consistent on delivering that message and they're like okay after a month I don't see any traction like let's step out like for example DG it probably took him two to three years to even like a year or two for even people to recognize him on LinkedIn. And now, then people had to recognize him, and then he became a bigger name, and a bigger name, and a bigger name. It takes time. And I think a lot of it is like committing to that who you are, what you want to do on social media, who you want to be known for, and start doing it consistently. I think, and have that patience to wait it out a little bit. Cause I think for me, even the first six months, I don't even think anybody read my content. I think like five people probably liked it. And part of it was some people like my mom and my girlfriend at the time, who's not my wife, but it wasn't a lot of people liking um, my content.
1: Your advice is true for any any channel, whether you're, I I would give the same advice if you're trying to grow. It it starts with, nobody should just do this because somebody told you to do it. it. It needs to start with like you using your own brain And coming up with a hypothesis about how you're gonna grow your your thing, oh, okay. We think that LinkedIn might like right now. I'm investing in in TikTok for uh, exit five because I have a belief. Because here's here here's here's like a real thought process. Exit five is great, continues to grow. I think it can grow more. I think one of the underinvested in channels. This I'm not the first person to say go on TikTok. It's not what I'm saying. I think that if I look across the other competitors to Exit 5 or other offerings in the market. In when it comes to B2B marketing content, there's very little B2B marketing content on TikTok. I've seen how videos work with Exit 5 on LinkedIn and in the Facebook group. I'm making a bet that TikTok will be a platform that we can grow an audience on and take advantage of the all of the eyeballs there. And so the reason I'm investing in TikTok is to grow a following there. The way I'm going to measure if that's working or not is first, you can't measure You also can't measure all these things at once. First, my very first metric is going to be some type of follower number because why? That's the equivalent of like website traffic. Do you have people there? Are there eyeballs? And so let's say we grow that page to 10, 20, 30,000 followers in in a year. Would I be happy with that? Seems right. Like, okay, roughly seems right. Let's look at other pages. These people have 2,000 followers. This page has a million, probably can't do that. This is how like I think real people think about this stuff. It's not a, it's not always this like perfectly quantifiable spreadsheet to make these decisions. Okay, so I think I think it's going to work. Right now, all I'm worrying about over the next six months is good content and putting out relevant and interesting and educational and entertaining content. Focus on B2B marketing. Can that start to grow following? Then if we fast forward six months from now and it's like, holy shit, there's a great following on Ags of Five, but I haven't seen any new members from it now I'm going to shift my focus. Now we're going to do two things, right? We're going to try to continue to build this audience, but we're also going to then try to drive people well, to exit five. I mean, we applied the same framework to like building Drifted in the early days. We we didn't have three competing goals. It was like step one was building an audience. Step two, prove that that audience could actually would sign up for the product. Step three, prove that that audience would actually use the product. Step four, prove that that audience would actually pay for, the, for, for it. And so like that type of thinking, you can simplify this all the way down. You have to have a, a point of view. You're just like, well, I'm going to be on LinkedIn. I'm going to half-ass do it. No, like, why do you want to do this? Why is this the channel? Maybe it's not LinkedIn. Maybe it's YouTube. Maybe it's Instagram. Maybe it's in a, a newsletter. Maybe it's an event. Have a hypothesis. Put some thought into that. this about what could I do here? If I post here regularly and create interesting content, could I build an audience about X topic? And if I did that, what would the benefits of that be? Like, I think that's how you come up with initial goals for social media. It's It's not as easy as like, we want to grow from. We want to go from zero followers to the five thousand. Because I bet you, right now, you have almost half a million followers on the uh, Marketing Millennials podcast. I bet you grew that page for two, three years before you were like, "Oh, what? What should a goal for this? It just, it just happens." And I think you have to do this and make the bet that yes, I'm going to do this for a year, six months to a year. And I would, I would say that any channel. Oh, could, could you? Should you do YouTube for two weeks and quit? Is that going to work? Should you do Instagram for two weeks and quit? Is that going to work? Should you? go to the gym for two weeks and quit. It's it's the same type of thing. It just applied to, to marketing.
0: I love also the intentional focus on one channel and figuring it out in one goal, because I think that's where a lot of people lose is they're measuring 10 things at once. And if one of those things aren't working, they're like, oh, okay, let's scrap this idea. I'm going to tackle some of these hit, uh, quick hitters. Uh, Nick Bennett in
1: chat says, how can employers empower their employees to better become SMEs, subject matter experts, and drive pipeline organically through their content. Um, I think not everyone's going to do this, but I've found that typically at the company, first of all, like don't think that everyone's going to do it. It it's not, doesn't need to be everyone. You, I would rather channel like who are those really passionate people inside of the company and can you encourage them to do it and give them hints at like things that they might be able to say. I also think that there's so much content that happens inside of a company from emails to Slack messages to videos to w- wiki posts One way you can help do that is be like, whoa, hey, hey, Daniel, that thing that you wrote internally, that was amazing. This would actually be awesome as content on LinkedIn. You could obviously take this out, like find the internal opportunities that people have already written as opposed to trying to push people to go from like this blank slate and have to come up with new ideas. Rachel says, what other ways outside of category creation can you differentiate your company in a mature competitive industry? I think there's a million ways. I think... You, you can be different or you can be better. If you can't go and create a new category, like a differentiation could be your, your company's like a benefit for an employee. You pay for a hundred percent of college education. You give everyone a bike. Those are made up terrible examples, but I, I it can l- quite literally be anything. It just, it has to be strategic to, to your business and it's something that you can actually live. Like, for example, a differentiator for Ben & Jerry's is not that they created a new category, but that their very uh, like social responsibility and political activism has been something like that's a big part of their brand. And that, in turn, is a differentiator for them. I think it can be something like that.
0: What other companies are doing great for B2B marketing on LinkedIn? metadata Gong, Dually... The fact that the, like you can't name a bunch of people that are doing well on LinkedIn is the, the fact that you should start doing something on LinkedIn if you're a B2B like marketing company, if you have a marketing audience or a finance audience, because I think there's so much space of people doing it, not doing it well. Um like I can't even name many. That's that means like they have taken the space on in the head on LinkedIn. I just uh, see more people than 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 companies.
1: Hold on. I think I have a list of I'm gonna look it up. Uh but we should answer this question from Samantha. Can I, as the marketing manager, be the face of the company? We don't have any executives who are interested in creating or following on LinkedIn. Does it work for me to be the person on LinkedIn for the company? A hundred percent. This is what I started to do at Drift. I was not even VP of marketing. I was marketing manager Dave when I started to do that. To do that, And it worked because at Drift, we were. I worked in marketing and we were selling marketing software to other people. And so it was like, I talked a lot about how we were using our own product and others at the company did the same. And so that would work. I think this can totally work for you. And even if you're not selling into an industry where like you're using the product every day, I think you can think of yourself as like the tour guide for the company. And so you're like the spokesperson, basically. You're going to share all the news and information and and maybe your execs don't want to be on LinkedIn or have a following, but like, could you talk to them regularly and share their thoughts. I think I was at a point of my career where I didn't have much wisdom on my own and so a lot of what I shared was from David who's the founder and CEO at Drift uh, and, it, and it worked to, to grow both of our followings. Uh, so my question for you is that uh, I just started uh, I just been assigned a LinkedIn page and uh, the page wasn't doing very
0: uh, uh, before me. Uh, I have been posting on it for 15 days now and I've started to post every day Every day of the week, and I have seen an increase in the number of engagement and the number of followers. But I uh, think that uh, it might be difficult to continue this going forward because I would need, you know, uh, a lot of many things to post every day. So, uh, what do I do in that case? Do I repurpose own content? Do I keep posting?
1: I think you don't. I don't. I don't think you need to post every day. I think it's a good strategy. It might might be working now, but I think I don't like. I think the the key to growing your page is not going to be like, well, I posted every day for 365 days and I grew X followers. The reason you might post every day is so you can figure out which content is more interesting uh, or which content seems to be a better fit. Like, so of that stuff that you're posting every day, are there things that you're learning? I think it's not necessarily about posting every day, but I think we give the advice to post often because when you post often, you can learn more. Also, it's only been 15 days. So that's kind of the other part of this. Like come back to us in six months. Uh <laughs> that's kinda of like the real answer. <laughs> and like seems like you're on the right path, which is like it's starting to work. But like, yeah, you don't have to burn yourself out and, and post every day, like not to give you a cliche line, but like it, it is true. It's not about posting every day. I think that having something to say is gonna be more meaningful. And so I I would now be like, Okay, cool, I got I got 15 days of, of data. I just would take it one week at a time and like, okay, what what are you, what content are you going to create for, for next week based on what you know now, like based on what you've learned and how can you keep doing that? The other thing I would say that you could do that doesn't require um, two things. Can you be commenting on other people's stuff to increase the reach of your page on the platform? And so like, can you make the list of 100 people that are meaningful in your industry and can you go and... Can you like request people to follow the company page Daniel how does how, how does that work
0: Yeah you could. I think there's two, 250 people a, a month that you can request now Okay so
1: like th- I mean that would be a totally reasonable thing to do two, 250 is a lot could you kind of like basically go outbound and 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 get people that you want to follow the page also do you have any other channels do you have a website do you have an email list can you ask people to go go to your page and follow your page and like now that you're posting regularly they might actually be a reason for them to do that. And I, I also think like there is a little bit of kind of like manual promotion and grunt work outside of the post thing. It's like, how can I tell more people about this LinkedIn page? And so like, do you have, do you have automated emails that are going out all the time? And could you update like what's in the footer there? I mean, I have like, I, I get maybe 15 to 20 new email signups a day. And each one of those people gets an automated email that's from me. And in that email, it says, can you follow me on on Instagram and, and LinkedIn? Like little things like that. Where do you have traffic that you can get your page in front of could also be beneficial.
0: Yeah, I love that. I think scrappiness at the beginning is always great. Like getting people commenting and getting people to go follow that is in your target audience, um, whether you outbounding messaging them, but also creating content. But thanks for the question. I see a question from Lorraine. Now, do you have any advice to produce content and how do you keep it up? My advice for creating content is you have to consume great content and leave, keep your note-taking and swipe files up. I think it's hard to create content if you don't continually consume great content. For me, what I do is any good idea here in a podcast, any the cool thing on LinkedIn. I I either screenshot or I write in the notes on my phone, and then it gives me a bank of things when I need to write content to do that. Also, I think you could do a process for writing content that I think so many people think they need to say so many different things. Really, the best people, if you look at them on social media, are saying the same things, but a hundred different ways. So if you could figure out what are the like the three things you want to say in the main statements and say them in different ways like one day a listicle one day a story one day a huge piece of a, an advice thing one day something else and say it 30 different ways if you go look at Gary Vee, he does that great speakers do that if you see the greatest speakers in the world they basically are saying their same the same speech over and over cuz they've re- repeated it so it's really Narrowing down your focus and then also yeah. like saying it different that's, ways. That's such an underrated thing is
1: like, it, you know, back to the, the previous question. It's like, don't post every day. Have two or three kind of like talk tracks that you're always coming back to. And there's different ways to to hit, hit on them. Like one, you know, like if I created a separate account for like I have a job board or we've even kind of done it right. Like exit five, we kind of came up with this tagline, like because nobody goes to school for B2B marketing. Oh, cool. That's kind of a frame for like, that's our, that can be the content strategy for what we talk about on social media, that. And so I think like a lot of people jump right to like, I want to post on LinkedIn and it's like, well, first, what's the story that you have? LinkedIn is just the platform where you're going to like try to put that story out into the world. And so I, I love that you mentioned that. You got to have that story first. Also, you made me think of this. Like you said, you got to consume that. How many questions do we see from people? Yeah, who's doing a good job on LinkedIn? Or I want to be on LinkedIn, but I don't know where to start. It should be like required homework that if you're going to go, like if you're going to go use the platform and try to spend time there, people are like, how do I justify that? They ask us how all the time. How do we justify the time? I want to do LinkedIn, but I, I can't justify the time. But they haven't even put in the, the time to, make, to really think about this. Like don't go... Your time is limited. You can't just go spend mess around on every random channel before you even decide. Is have a hypothesis, like we said earlier, have a hypothesis about why you want to do, why you want to invest time in LinkedIn, why you think it'd be beneficial, what types of stories you might have, and then you can get into the tactics of like daily posting or, or whatever. But I love that you said that. Like to be a consumer, it should be your home. Can you can you spend twenty minutes on LinkedIn and find stuff that you like? stuff that stands out to you or that you might have an opinion on that's a that's the best place to start
0: um, there's another good question and I I mean I have a great answer for it is there's a few people at our company that have powerful LinkedIn followings one what some ways to leverage those connections on our company page get them to like and comment your on your on your LinkedIn posts the way I think about LinkedIn, if you go look at any other channels and a lot of people do this is you need to early in the beginning, if you could find people in your industry and niche to like start hyping up your content and you have them in the employees, it hypes up your content. I think of it as like, if you go look on TikTok and stuff, there's a bunch of people who co-create together and they hype each other and bring up their followings. Like one person goes, creates on their, profile. that's the same way it works on LinkedIn. If you like someone's, if someone in your company just as simple as a like, it goes out to their network. But one caveat to that, just make sure those people, if you're, if you're using their following, are in the niche because then you're just going to get a following of people who are not in your niche and then you get screwed for that that reason. But if they're in your niche, use it. It's a simple thing is just liking a post and I, I'm guaranteed they'll do it. For you. Nancy
1: says, how do we find the right people slash posts to comment on? I think that's one of the, the easiest slash best things about LinkedIn, like with Twitter or Instagram, you have to use something like hashtags which can which can be complete garbage or it's searching. But here like you're actually searching for specific companies and job roles. And so you can literally if you sell to VPs of marketing at X type of industry company, you can actually go and search and find all those people. And so, you know, think about who is the type of customer that you sell to. And granted, we're talking about LinkedIn. So I don't I don't know anything about your business. You could sell you could sell cookies in a in a small town. And I probably would tell you that like LinkedIn might not be the best place. But I think if you're in the B2B context, or maybe the founder or, or I actually even even a consumer company, there's huge value in it. Um just has to be like I think the value there would be more about partners and network. But y- you can go find them. That's the, the best part about it. And so uh, maybe you're a new company and you have five customers. Find people just like those five customers on LinkedIn and go and connect with them. That's exactly where I would start.
0: DG, I mean, there's a question here about renaming, rebranding. You just went through this process. Why is naming so hard? Um, it's, just-
1: uh, it's hard. It's hard because we make it such a big decision. It's not actually hard. There, the name. There, there's plenty of companies that have like names that nobody really cares about, and that that's okay. You don't have to. Like, I think you sweat the name. We sweat the name more internally because it's like. Look, I could I honestly I could have called exit 5 20 different things and I think they would have all been successful uh it's a great story that it happens to work and so it, it works now but I think I think you need to take some of the pressure off of yourself and like just make a decision like here's x names that we like and we're gonna make we're gonna make a decision in the next 90 days and and, and go
0: if you think about all the big name brands out there today I mean, they are good names but some of them are bad names they just became they just had told a good story that's why they yeah. They're remembered. like it's like, is
1: Craig is Craig's list a good name <laughs> <laughs> like you know there's many or like what does slack even what, what does that even mean like if, if 10 years ago I said slack you'd be like slacking like ropes like I and it's because now we know what it is like it's a great comment, Daniel, because like your opportunity is like, name it and then go make, go, go make it a, a, you know, there's other elements to the brand. The brand is not your, the brand is not your name and your logo. I, I think it's like what, it's the reputation that you're going to go and create. So take some of the stress off of yourself and pick one. If you only have shitty names though, you, you got to work with somebody who can help you. Like you need, you, you gotta have at least one or two that you, that, that you like. Um, but like Marketing millennials. Great name. Was that rocket science to create that name? Nope. But you, you came up with it. It's perfect. It's a great fit. You picked it and you went with it.
0: Well, will answer two more questions. Um, if I'm wanting to grow my personal brand, how real should I be in real life? Even at work, I curse, I laugh at myself, but also on LinkedIn is viewed as professional, is on unprof- viewed as a professional network. What would you think about that?
1: I see more and more people being themselves on LinkedIn every day. And I think that's the opportunity to stand out. You're always going to upset somebody if you curse or whatever, or to have a different belief than they do, but that that's just how, how it's going to be. And so also I think it's just much easier. You will, you will have a much easier time creating content if you're being your authentic ish self then trying to think about like I'm trying to be some I got to be some character and what would that character say here
0: someone asked about um how to make content more relatable what is the biggest key to figuring that out and i and for well, making content more relatable i think to be able to make content more relatable you have to like start looking what your audience is actually talking about for the first like year on linkedin and I still do this to this day, but actively read comments on other people's posts and my posts and see those common trends of like, okay, people are talking about this. People are talking about that. And then to go post on the market millennials, I'll go say, Hey, people are talking about TikTok. Maybe I should start posting more like memes and stuff about TikTok. I mean, mine's a meme tweet shot page, but like you could do the same thing if you if you're, it's a different avenue but like if you're doing it for your customers go look at what your customers the active questions they're asking or the audience your active questions asking and create content around those active questions because that's how it becomes relatable It's, it's actual questions people are having at the moment or actual conversations that are happening at the moment that's how it becomes relatable um and that's again like going back to you have to be a consumer you have to you have to actively read like i see dg DG runs Exit Five and he's constantly in the comments answering people's questions. And that's probably where he gets a lot of these content ideas from because he, I, I'm talking for you, but I actively see you in comments of people.
1: I mean, there's, throughout
0: there's, the there's day. I I could create ten different
1: I could create ten different businesses just from what I learned from Exit Five, and I'm not. But like it's been the most unbelievable source of feedback for that reason. You nailed that answer, by the way how do you be more relatable? Well, you're it. You got to be inside of the head of the person that you're talking about. Why, why do you, why do you send your friend? Like when you see something on Instagram or TikTok that makes you laugh, it's the funniest thing. I send it to my wife because it's relatable. Like there, there's some new, uh, a, a, a young parent, like little kids, like video, like it's relatable because we're living that right now. It's the same thing. Like if you sell to cybersecurity and your content is not real or relatable to actual cybersecurity pros, then it's it's gonna fail. So you gotta get inside of the heads of the people that you're trying to reach. And again, this is not this is all rooted in like you're trying to sell a product. You're already talking to these people anyway. It's using that knowledge
0: to your advantage. Well I'll also end to one last question because I think this is good. This Marty Millennios does repurpose tweets and I do not think if you need to be a thought leader, you need to repurpose tweets on LinkedIn. The reason why I'll tell the story, the reason, the quick story, why I started doing that. I actually started doing that so I can get the people on Twitter to be on my podcast as guests. So I was trying to get my target audiences on my podcast and I started posting tweet, tweet screenshots, and then I saw that they, it had reach. But then I started to figure out why they have reach. is because it stands out in the feed. It disrupts the feed. It was a dark post, which means a black background with text on it it was easy to consume easy to read i think you could do the same exact thing with figure out a a background that works and big text or you could just i also say this to other people is just like the reason why a lot of content does not work and this is tough to say is that your content like a lot of content isn't that good online because they don't feel like write how a post should be written like it needs to have a huck it needs to have some value in, in the, the, the text. And then it needs to have some sort of closing, whether it's a CT or something that this is a takeaway from this pose. And I think a lot of people just post and think it's going to do something. You actually have to write good content. When you're on
1: LinkedIn, you literally pull it up on your phone and you're like, scroll, scroll, scroll. And so like, all you're looking at is the first 10 to 15 words, that headline but like for some reason when we go to posts and we just we just take a long paragraph and like copy and paste it there and it doesn't work. It's like, I, I think there's a line between like, you know, people kind of do these gimmicky like one line, one line, one line, one line, one line posts. And because like you see the headline and then it says read more. But I, but I think the non-gimmicky version is like, picture you only have that line to explain what's in your post. How would you do that? And then you can expand on it later.
0: Awesome. Well, this has been great. Thank you so much DG. Um I want to give you like a minute to just tell people I I honestly think that DG has a great community. So if you're in Bbb b, b marketing and you have more of these questions, it's probably a good place to uh some of these questions. And or just look, I, you can just go to exit5.com. I don't
1: need to do a big uh promo. I think if you got value out of this today, you get come in and get the content. Uh, there's also an email list so if you're if you're not ready to join the it's a paid group. If you're not ready to join it, just go to exit5.com. And you can get on the email list. And I, I talk about this stuff regularly. Also, I was going to ask Daniel if we could grab this audio and run it on the Exit 5 podcasts later. So maybe we'll, we'll do that. And I think there'll just be other ways for us to to stay connected. But you've already done all the, all the plugging that I need. This is amazing. Thank you.
0: Awesome. Yeah. And anybody, if you want to ask me questions, go. I know we didn't answer all the questions. And I always feel bad when I don't answer all the questions. But there was a lot just... DM me and I'll, I'll shoot you a, on LinkedIn and I'll shoot you a, a message back to try to answer your question. But thank you for all for joining. This has been great. Thank you for taking time out of your day. And thank you, DG. Thanks so much for listening. Tune in next week to hear more great insights from marketing's coolest operators. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing to the Marketing Millennials Podcast and giving it a five-star rating. It helps bring more marketers into our community.